When it comes to favorite books of the Bible, I doubt that the book of Deuteronomy is at the top of the list for many Christians. After all, Deuteronomy is a long book, 34 chapters long to be precise. And there's not a lot that happens in Deuteronomy. The opening chapters recount some of the things that have happened between God and Israel after he brought them out of Egypt during their time in the wilderness. But after that, it's mostly just a bunch of laws. Laws about worship and food and what to do and not to do on the Sabbath day and and how to treat animals. Laws about marriage and family life and just business practices. About what to do in the case of violence or, or conflict or disobedient children. Lots and lots of laws. And that can get pretty tiring for some readers because not a lot is happening. In fact, from the sixth verse of the first chapter until the opening verses of the 31st chapter, 30 whole chapters of the book are nothing more than Moses talking. Deuteronomy is really just one incredibly long sermon that Moses gives to the people of Israel before they cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. But despite all of that, despite all the countless laws, despite the fact that almost the entire book is just one man talking, despite that, Deuteronomy is one of the most important and influential books in the whole Bible. And that's true for both Jews and Christians alike. Jonathan Sachs, who was for many years the chief rabbi of England, he put it like this, with the book of Deuteronomy, the entire biblical project becomes lucid and reaches its culmination. It is the deepest and most remarkable statement of what Judaism is about. From a Christian perspective, the Anglican biblical scholar Christopher Wright is no less emphatic in his comments about the importance and influence of this book. Deuteronomy, he says, has been aptly described as the heartbeat of the Old Testament. Feel the pulse of Deuteronomy, and you are in touch with the life and rhythms of the Hebrew Bible. Indeed, if we add the influence of the book on Jesus, Paul, and the early New Testament church, it is a profoundly significant book and the whole Christian canon of Scripture. Just think about Jesus himself. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke both tell the story of the time when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Three different times the devil tried to tempt Jesus, and three different times Jesus responded with a quote from Scripture. And on all three occasions, the book that he quotes is the book of Deuteronomy. On another occasion, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And again, he responds with a verse from Deuteronomy. And it's not just Jesus. The book of Deuteronomy is quoted more than 80 times in the New Testament. And long after the New Testament was written, it continued to play a major role in the Christian tradition. Of all the books in the Bible, Deuteronomy includes probably the fullest and most comprehensive vision for social and political life. So it should come as no surprise that when early modern religious and political leaders began to reform and reconstitute their laws, it was the book of Deuteronomy to which they usually turned for guidance. From Switzerland to Holland to England and Scotland, 
political leaders instituted social reforms inspired by Deuteronomy. Likewise, when the American founding fathers began to establish a Republican style of government and a system of laws to govern their new nation, this was the book from which they often sought wisdom. In fact, one historian has recently observed that the American founders quote the book of Deuteronomy twice as often as they quote the entire writings of John Locke, who was probably the most influential political philosopher of his day. So Deuteronomy is important, or at least it has been. And it's not just because of all the laws. In fact, sometimes people draw the wrong conclusions from all those laws. Sometimes when we read all the laws in the book of Deuteronomy, we, we start to think, you know, this is a really legalistic book. And it's a book that just seems to be focused on rules and commands. And understandably, some Christians are very put off by that. After all, isn't it true that as Christians, we live under grace and not under law? But to read Deuteronomy that way is to misunderstand it. Yes, there are many laws in this book, but if you pay attention, you'll also notice that there's quite a lot of grace and forgiveness as well. And that's because, as one Old Testament scholar puts it, because the aim of Deuteronomy isn't just to give us a bunch of rules. The aim of Deuteronomy is to create a righteous community. And the book does that in a variety of ways. On the one hand, Deuteronomy accomplishes that goal by training us in the right way to live, much like the book of Proverbs or other wisdom literature books in the Bible. On the other hand, you can also read Deuteronomy as a, as a kind of book of prophecy. It speaks very clearly about the moral failures of the people of God, of their repeated inability to keep their covenant with God. And and also about God's determination to redeem them, even despite their failures. In that sense, Deuteronomy is very similar to a book of prophecy like the book of Hosea. But maybe more than anything else, what the book of Deuteronomy does is teach us what it means to be the people of God. What kind of a relationship do we have with God? What is that relationship based on? And, and what does it require of us? Or to put it even more simply, what do we mean when we talk about the love of God? That's a phrase that comes up multiple times in the book of Deuteronomy. It's right there in Deuteronomy's most famous commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus said that was the greatest of all commandments. And to this day, observant Jews recite that commandment every single day. But what does it mean? What does it mean to love God? Is Moses talking about a feeling, about an affection of the heart, or is it something else? Several chapters later, when, when Moses repeats this command, he adds more to it. And now, Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good? 
And then again, just a paragraph later. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. Apparently, loving God involves more than feelings. It involves more than adoration or affection. Apparently, loving God involves serving him and obeying his commands, which really fits very well with what Jesus tells his own disciples You remember what he says to them in the Gospel of John? You remember how he explains what it means to love him? If you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. Sometimes we forget that. We all know we're supposed to love God, but sometimes we forget that loving God means serving God, walking in his ways, obeying his commands. And that's one of the reasons that Deuteronomy is so helpful because it reminds us what it means to be the people of God, what it means to be a people who actually love the Lord. For that matter, Deuteronomy also reminds us what the Bible means when it talks about loving our neighbor. You know, Christians, we often use those phrases. We often quote Jesus's words about the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. But just as we sometimes think that loving God means just believing in God or feeling gratitude or affection toward him. Sometimes we start to think that loving our neighbor means little more than treating people with civility or being polite or maybe occasionally lending a helping hand. As you read and study Deuteronomy, however, you'll begin to realize that loving loving your neighbor involves a lot more than that, that what we owe to one another goes far beyond mere civility or politeness. And that's just one more reason that this book is so important. It not only teaches us what it means to love God, it also teaches us what it means to love our neighbor as well. Finally, Deuteronomy teaches us something even more profound about this phrase, the love of God. You know, that phrase can mean a couple different things. On the one hand, as I've been discussing, the love of God can refer to our love for God, the love that Deuteronomy commands and that Jesus himself speaks about. You shall love the Lord your God. But that phrase can also refer to something else, not to our love for God, but to God's love for us. And if there is anything that the Bible wants to make clear, it is that what makes us the people of God is not our love for God, but rather his love for us. To quote 1 John chapter 4, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. We love because he first loved us. I think that's one of the reasons that Christians sometimes avoid books like Deuteronomy. Because when you read it and, and all the laws and you read all these stipulations, all of its talk about blessings and curses at the end of the book, it sounds as if Israel's relationship to God is, is very different from our relationship to God. Our relationship with God is based on love, but theirs, it seems, was based on, on moral performance. As long as you do good, then I'll do good to you. That's a common misconception. And And actually, Deuteronomy makes it clear that's that's not at all true. 
Because Deuteronomy doesn't just talk about our love for God, but also very clearly it talks about God's love for us. Moses explains this in chapter 7 when he reminds the people of Israel of how they first became the people of God. It is not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. C.S. Lewis once said that Christians don't think that God will love us because we are good, but rather that God will make us good because he loves us. In many ways, that message is at the heart of Deuteronomy and what it has to say about being the people of God. Deuteronomy teaches us that God does not love us because we are good, but that he will make us good because he loves us. And furthermore, Deuteronomy gives us a vision for what that goodness will actually look like. What sort of a good society God is making us into. Two African scholars recently writing on the book of Deuteronomy, they summarize this point beautifully by relating it to an African proverb. They said, Israel's response to God is to be the same as that in the Angolan Umbundu saying, love responds to love, only love cures love. Or as the New Testament puts it, Israel is to love God because God has first loved her. Love responds to love. That's what Deuteronomy teaches us, that God has first loved us, that we are to love God in return, and that the way we love God is by walking in his ways and being his people in the world. Deuteronomy is a long and sometimes complicated book. It's easy to get lost in the weeds as you're reading it, But as we make our way through this book, reading and studying it together, don't forget that what it's really teaching us, what it's helping us to understand is how God has loved us and what it means to love him in return.